Welcome to Free Your Inner Guru. I'm your host, Laura Tucker. The conversation you are about to hear between me and our guest, Julie Min, took place several months ago. In fact, it was the first interview recorded for the show. Once we had it, and I knew what the content was, it didn't seem like the right time to release it. I decided to hold the episode until October because it's the anniversary of our shared traumatic experience, never anticipating that many of the topics we explore, like having a peak-to-pit experience and living with survivor's guilt, would be in the news again. I hope you are inspired by this conversation as we share not just some of our challenges, but what it's been like to return to a state of forgiveness, happiness, and love. Welcome to Free Your Inner Guru. I'm your host, Laura Tucker. This is a show where we dig deep into personal development, creativity, spirituality, and the self-help industry. Today, I am so excited because I am welcoming our first guest on the show, and her name is Julie Min. Julie is very special to me. Julie has been with me through some of the biggest challenges of, I think it's fair to say, both of our lives. She's also a psychic and a spiritual counselor. Julie helps people connect with the truest version of themselves. She believes that we are the ones who put limits on ourselves. And she is here today to share some of her vast insight. And uh, welcome to the show, Julie. It's so great to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. Just um, just before we started recording today, we were going back and trying to remember when we first met Julie. And uh, I will share with the audience that my recollection of meeting you is um, a lot clearer than your recollection of meeting me. So we were having a really big laugh about that. But um, it was in 2008, sometime during the summer, we were in Las Vegas at a, uh, a big personal development seminar with um, James Arthur Way. And it was late one day after uh, we finished the course for the day, a whole group of people just kind of grabbed each other and made plans and brought people they were getting along with to go out for dinner. And uh, Julie ended up seated to my left at dinner. And I remember my biggest impression at that time was, Julie, you were really shy. I was really shy back then. I still am, I think it's fair to say. I I have no problems talking to people, but I am not a very good small talk person. And that's one of the things I love about you, actually. And uh, so when we uh, first really got to know each other, it was actually after we had each done our interviews for the documentary, Enlighten Us. And that was many, many years later in early 2015. Um, Enlighten Us is the story of a tragic event that Julie and I both uh, were present for and uh, witnessed to together. We were at another self-help seminar that took place in Sedona, Arizona in late 2009. And uh, on the very last day, things took a rather tragic turn. And uh, three of uh, the people who had been participating in the workshop passed away 
at the end of a, uh, a sweat lodge ceremony that was meant to commemorate and celebrate the, uh, the end of a week of a lot of really deep inner work and introspection. Could you share a little bit with us what it was that made you say yes to being involved in a documentary about those extremely difficult uh, days? Well, there were a number of reasons. Um, When Spiritual Warrior took place in 2009, I think all of us were approached at one point in time or another to speak to the press And at the time, I was too traumatized. I was too self-involved with my own pain and reactions to everything that had happened. And I felt ill-prepared to speak to the media. And also, when those of us who were braver among us and who did speak to the press there was a lot of backlash. There was a lot of judgment. And then my own self-preservation kicked in. And I, I just, I really felt that I was too vulnerable and too wounded to feel like I was ready at the time. So that stuck with me when time came and I was asked to, to participate in the documentary. And so I felt more ready having had those intervening years to really think about it. And I also, I, I noticed that the people who were in the community who chose to speak were also those who were not actually at the event. So those of us who were there, again, we, we were still processing our own journey. And I felt that it was the time had passed to be silent and the time had come to actually speak our truth. And so I was motivated for those two main reasons. And also I had heard that uh, Brandy, she was the one who introduced me to the project and she had already um, done her interview and she was telling me about um, those of us who were asked and who might be interested and so I also had heard your name and Beverly's name, and um, I wanted to participate. So, as we as we went through that experience, Julie, a, a lot of it at the time was very much uh, felt like reliving the events of two thousand and nine, uh, and and something that became perhaps clearer to us the more time went on was that. Um, the number of people who had been contacted may have not been as large as we initially thought. Um, did you, do you remember thinking that or feeling that in any kind of way? I do actually. I remember being quite curious as to who was, who was at their point in their healing journey to who was ready to speak. And so I would ask Brandy and I would ask uh, Jenny, the director, uh, and Allison, the producer, who, who have you contacted? Who has said yes? And they're like, oh, we're still trying. Oh, we're still trying. But most of the people who they had reached out to either did not respond or responded in a negative way where they were not interested in participating in the project. 
How do you feel about the the film Enlighten Us just before we get into some of the the things that the, the actual documentary has catalyzed uh, for each of us? What's your what's your thoughts on the on the movie? I have multiple levels of reactions and on a very deeply personal reaction it was it's a hard film to watch um and it's difficult to capture everything that you would want to represent about the event in only 90 minutes there are so many stories to tell and uh, there's just not enough time so because of that there there's always a longing there's always a, a wish um that Jenny was able to include more. And having said all of that, I actually believe that she did an excellent job of telling the story to people who are not in the industry, who are not um, familiar with the spiritual development world. She took the perspective of interested, intelligent adults who just wanted to know what had happened like the rest of us and presented the story in a way that allows each viewer to make up their own minds. So it, it took a while for me to, to see the, the beauty and the depth and just how, how clever Jenny was with, with her presentation of all the facts. So I, I really, think that it's a very well-made film on this side of the journey. And just to clarify for, um, for the listeners, the Jenny that, that Julie is referring to is the director of the film, Jenny Karchman. And she was the one who, as far as I'm aware, did all of the interviewing over for the movie over years and years. And that was one of the things that became more clear to me as uh, the number of times that I saw the film last year when it appeared at a couple of film festivals that we attended was that the movie itself was in the making for years before we were contacted or were involved. So it represented, it was a huge um, commitment. And just, and we're not doing this interview necessarily to promote the film. Um, although I do wish more people would see it because I think there are a lot of valuable lessons that can come out of conversations around it. And because it's, um, it's an event that really took the, the self-help industry by, I won't even say surprise by shock, but it also seemed um, that it was not a common type of occurrence. And so it stayed out on, on the margins Um, for anyone that's interested um, since I'm all around it, the film is now available on Netflix. If you're curious, and you know it's 90 minutes of of a very complex circumstance. But the one thing that really has uh, has stayed with uh, with me as part of participating in it is a lot of the consequences of being in the film have been incredibly positive over the last couple of years. Would you agree, Julie? Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel like participating in the documentary has been a gift. It's allowed me to keep processing this very traumatic event. It 
has allowed me to rekindle friendships like the one with you. It, it's been amazing to be able to not only reclaim friendships, it's a way to remember myself as well as part of the healing process. You and I were talking about this this weekend, but it's been a year since the the Mountain Film Festival. And just to have that linear time marker of, oh my goodness, where where we were and how we were feeling just a year ago and how much we have changed and grown and learned and healed in a year's time. I really feel like I didn't understand the extent of the gifts and the gifts are still unfolding. They're still giving. So it's been so worth it and such an amazing journey to be able to to do this with you. So yes, lots of gifts, blessing to participate. And, and again, even though the film is a very difficult one to watch, I think that it's good to be able to talk about difficult subjects without shying away, where light is being shed in all the dark places. And I think that's necessary in order for change to come about. What would you say for you is one or two of the the biggest changes that's taken place? Well, you and I were discussing about how we met and (laughs) the... It was quite funny because you had mentioned how shy you thought I was. And it's very true. I am an introvert and I tend to observe a lot more than I participate. And one stark change, I think, is my willingness to, to do your podcast, to, <laughs> to come up and, and to speak my truth and to um, tell my story. Whereas in years prior, I may have um, deferred to other people telling the story, feeling like my slice of the story maybe wasn't worth hearing, Um, not because I'm any less than anyone else, but because I, I wasn't I wasn't injured in a physical way. I didn't go to the hospital and I don't have ongoing bills because of it. You know, my story is I was there and I survived. I I got through it. I'm okay now. Just dealing with the aftermath of the trauma and having lived through it, I feel I feel a greater sense of trust in myself to grow and learn and even get stronger, to evolve in the midst of crisis and trauma and some pretty horrific things that had happened. And with life being as chaotic as it is, knowing that I I trust myself to be able to be a better version of myself, not only on the other side of the crisis, but even during the crisis. And that, that's quite a gift to be able to know that I have that strength within me. That's so important. And you're, you're bringing out for me something that this, this may have just applied, been unique to me, but, um, but I'm going to ask anyways. At any time during that survive, like that you described yourself as a survivor, 
Did you experience anything that resembled what people might be familiar with as a type of survivor's guilt? Oh, you yeah. like you weren't maybe entitled to your emotions? Of course. Oh, yes. Totally. It's what makes me deserving of life when these beautiful people who were our friends in this journey, when they didn't get to survive, when they passed away, young, vibrant, healthy adults who, who had more to give. And I, I think you can't help but question all of it. Question God, question your place in the world, question whether or not you were rational to be there in the first place. <laughs> Along with survivor's guilt, I think all of it gets thrown on the table. And um, in order to put yourself back together, I think everything needs to be examined. So yes, there was uh, quite a lot of guilt for a while. And what, uh, what was the catalyst or was there any single moment in time or um, process that you remember that helped you to turn the corner on that? Really, for me personally, it comes down to faith in something greater than me and than all of us, that there is some organizing entity who I'm comfortable calling God. God knows better. God knows more. God sees the bigger picture. And when I put my faith and trust in a God whose motivations are not to hurt us, but whose motivations are to love us unconditionally and to give us free will and to allow us to grow and change as we see fit, then I have to believe that there are reasons which I don't understand for why Kirby and James and Liz are no longer with us today as a result of having participated in that event. And I may not ever get to know that reason, but I'm, I may not be meant to. It's not my burden to carry. It's not my responsibility. And when I hand that over and surrender my own e egoic need to understand and trust that there's a reason why they are no longer here and there's a reason why I still am. And even if I am not meant to know, it, I am meant to live. I am meant to continue doing what, what I'm doing here. And I know that Kirby, James and Liz are still alive. They're still with us. It's just they're with us in a, in a different form, in a different way. So my faith and my belief in what it is that I do and in the greater universe, that gives me comfort. And that has allowed me to move through the guilt and to move through the pain and to be more accepting. As I'm listening to you speak, I can't help but notice that, that you talk about God quite a lot. What do you have to say to someone who's listening right now and is, is thinking, well, on one hand, you know, you're a psychic and they see that as quite different from religion, um, but you talk about God a lot. I do. I do talk about God quite a bit. And 
I have always had a relationship with God ever since I was a small child. I remember sleepless nights where I would just spend the night talking to God and we would have conversations. And so for me, I don't know a life without my faith that has always been very present. Uh, I would say that my faith is much more spiritual than it is religious and that my definition of God is much more broad. I am inclusive in my definition. So to me, God is the word that we use to express, to call the creative force in the world, in the universe. And God is where I get my gift. I believe that me being psychic is my divine gift and my ability to communicate and that it's not unique to me or special to me, but I do feel that in order to honor this gift that I, I speak about where it comes from. When you talk about God and you talk about being a psychic and about there being a greater meaning and reason, how would you explain to people what it is that you do? You know, it's, that's a great question. I've been trying to refine what it is that I do, excuse me, and explaining to people for as long as I've been doing it. And I think the simplest explanation that I can come up with is the essence of who we are, who we are in the most perfect form. So what I like to say, our, our soul self, who is not in body. If you can remember being a child and having the innocence and the trust and the wonder for life, that is closer to who you are at soul level than who we tend to be as adults. Because as an adult, we've developed survival mechanisms, coping mechanisms to deal with the world and to deal with society. So oftentimes we are less of ourselves when we maybe don't speak up in a situation or maybe we don't give ourselves permission to go after our dreams because our rational mind is saying, um, that's not practical. So instead of doing the, the whimsical, childlike, following your dreams path, you should be thinking of how can you pay your bills and how can you pay your mortgage and how can you save for your future. And for me, I have found that when we are true to ourselves, the closest to how God created us, and this goes again, deeper into what it is that I do. But if we can access that version of ourselves, then our lives actually turn more magical. It's almost like the wonder comes back. How when we remember that version of ourselves, people get giddy. People get excited. They remember that they once had dreams. So what it is that I do reconnects each person with that version of who they are at soul level. Now, listening to you is actually causing me, and I hope it's causing other people too, to just kind of reflect on themselves and their own journey. 
I know that for me, and I know you were a witness to this as well, is that after the entire events of 2008, 9, and 10, I became very shut down, possibly for the first time in my life in a major way. Um, certainly there were things that, you know, we all have our bumps in the road as we are growing up and figuring out the world. But I had been very fortunate that I can't really recall ever suffering a personal trauma or something that wounded me as deeply as the experience of not being heard when I raised my voice to express current concern over um, Liz Newman, who was beside me in the sweat lodge and who passed away eight days later in the hospital. What would you have to say to somebody right now and kind of collapses time here a little bit, but there's so many people who have these experiences that I've started to call and taken on the, the phrase peak to pit experiences. Like when you go into a situation and your expectation is for only the best, you know, or, and what happens is completely the opposite. And, you know, and our shared experience is perhaps an extreme example, but it's also one of the reasons that I feel so strongly about talking about it today, post-documentary, because we've never really had that opportunity to use our own voices to talk about what we've learned. So what would you say to people who today or last week or last month or two years ago or 10 years ago were involved in something that really forced them to wonder who is it that they are and why their situation went so sideways or upside down? The first thing that came to mind as you were speaking is I would remind people to forgive themselves for having put themselves in that position in the first place. So when we tend to take responsibility for for our own actions, the path to consciousness, we sometimes overcorrect and we take it on more responsibility than what is ours to take. And what that looks like is we will often place the blame on ourselves for having been in that traumatic situation. So Laura, for you specifically, the fact that your voice was not heard, was it, was it your fault? Perhaps you could have done something differently. And yet the facts show that, that you were not the only one who spoke up and the situation being what it is in hindsight, we can say, I don't think that would have made a difference. I think it would have taken so much more. And the second guessing and the third guessing and the fourth guessing, we're going to drive ourselves crazy because we cannot change what happened in the past. So forgiveness is the way that we can heal, not to forget what happened, not to excuse any kind of behavior, but forgive yourself for being human, for not having all the facts that we have now. And for all the emotions that will come up because no one knows 
the pain of what you have to live through every day, except for you. And that's, it's a lot to carry. And in order for you to show up as your best self in life, at some point, you have to let yourself heal from that pain and to put down that burden and to let it go. So first and foremost, forgive yourself for being in a position that was so traumatic for all of us. And then on the other side of it, as we take responsibility for our actions, then I would say choose more circumstances where your voice can be heard. Empower yourself once again by speaking up when you feel uncomfortable. No longer create situations where your voice is ignored. And doing things like this, the podcast, I think is very healing for you. So for me, what I do is take a general situation and apply very specific tools to say, this is how you can heal and overcome. And once I do that, it's, it's still up to you. You're the one who has to live with your pain and your memories. And only you will know if you have successfully let that go and given yourself the gift of reclaiming your energy and your life. And I think that's part of all of our healing journeys. You know, the situation may be spe uh, specific to us and what happened at Spiritual Warrior. We all have pain. We all have circumstances in which we are disempowered and where we feel, I think I can safely say where we feel like we have failed ourselves we each have created those situations at least once in our lives because we're all human. And then what do you do? Do you, do you fall apart? Do you shy away? Do you go hide in a cave? Do you, you know, stop talking to people? Sometimes, sometimes you need to, sometimes you have to let it all fall apart before you can pick yourself back up together. And, and that's okay. It's, I, I find a lot of what I do is giving people permission to be, as messily human, if I can make up that word, as we are. We are messy creatures. We are very deeply flawed creatures. That's why we're still here on earth. We are perfect in heaven. We're not so perfect here. And so remembering that we're all in this together, that we have so much more in common than we do that's different. And really the differences are to be celebrated because there is no one like you in the world. I think it's really important to also acknowledge that, you know, no matter how specific the story may seem, is that these patterns play out over and over and over for people every day, everywhere. Um, I run into in my current um, work now that I'm more visible around all of this stuff. I run into people regularly who've had extreme challenges. And really the only difference is, is that there's played out um, in more privacy without the huge exposure of having been splashed across, you know, CNN and, and news around the world first time around. And then to have a documentary. I have to acknowledge that in the time that you were talking about um, 
forgiveness, Julie, that it started to thunder. So I think everybody needs to listen. It's <laughs> about forgiveness at least once. And uh, so I, I don't know if you could hear that giant crack of thunder there, um, but I certainly did. Um, so, you know, so, and this is why I think there's value in continuing the conversation because not only do the very same issues that, um, that we experienced firsthand play out in different ways where people are uh, um, entering into, you know, trusting relationships or into situations where they have, you know, belief in one outcome and something, you know, it happens in, in relationships, relationships fall apart. Sometimes the way we see the world and the things that we expect from it are delivered to us, um, gift wrapped, not exactly the way that we would like. And, um, and then it's what do you do with that on uh, the other side. Um, Julie, question for you. We were talking a little bit about alignment before we jumped on and started the interview. And I know it's a topic that we both wanted to explore. How would you describe how you see this concept of being spiritually aligned with your values or who you really are? Where does that figure in? So how I would define it uh, requires a little bit of explanation. In my understanding of the universe, everything affects everything. So we have emotions that affect our state of reality. We have our thoughts. We have our actions. We have our spiritual beliefs. And each one of those, our emotions, our thoughts, our actions and our beliefs, they affect whether or not we are in alignment. So we may tell ourselves that we are confident. We may feel insecure and scared. We may act as if we're overconfident, right? We're trying to compensate. And spiritually, we could just be thinking, why am I doing this in the first place? This is not even who I am. Right. So, so even just a brief description of uh, an imaginary situation, you can hear that not all of those states of being fit together. They're, they're coming, um, the approach for this situation, the scenario is all different. So even just simply hearing that, you can tell that me, as an example, would be out of alignment. So what you would want to do is, even if you're feeling scared, you may support yourself by practicing. You may support yourself by talking to people who have done the thing that you want to do and who have done it well. So you get advice that you actually respect. If you are a person of faith, you could pray to God to give you strength, to give you courage, to give you the right opportunities for you to be in a situation where you don't feel like this is not where I should be or this is not what I should be doing, where in fact you feel quite the opposite, where you feel like, oh my goodness, all these circumstances align themselves together in order to create the perfect opportunity in order for me to speak and tell people the thing that I've been waiting to tell them. Alignment, I think, really is the key for success in life. 
if we want to be our own version of successful, meaning we get to give ourselves the life that makes us happy, that makes us feel fulfilled, alignment is, again, the place to start where we have to honor ourselves. That's exactly one of the reasons that I chose the name for the podcast. It was quite a process to get through to choosing a name for this experiment that I was going to undertake, which was far more in alignment with my personal journey than anything else that I had done online. Not, and not that I wasn't you know, enjoying and still don't write or do videos or so forth, but um, there seemed to be something that just clicked into place around the time that I decided, you know what, I think this is a medium for me. More people are listening to podcasts, so that was certainly some incentive. But the idea of reaching in and finding and learning to use my voice, literally and figuratively, um, seems to work very well and is in alignment with my journey. And consequently, it's been more joyful, it's been easier, and it's something that I can't wait every week to sit down and either do an interview like we're doing today or sit down and do a solo. And, uh, and then I think I shared with you, Julie, not too long after I chose the name, that it was you know, very irreverent to, to use the word guru because there were a number of years there that the idea of a guru would pretty much send me right back into trauma. I kid you not. But this idea that you have an inner guru, that you have an inner, there's inner wisdom, there's an inner voice. I just did an interview yesterday where we were talking about um, where I was being interviewed and it kind of came out in the interview and it was the first time I talked about it publicly that one of the reasons that for me personally, the original experience of that sweat lodge was so difficult was that clearly I had an idea of, you know, the challenge that was happening and, and I, you know, yes, I spoke up and yes, I was, you know, disregarded. And yes, I did ask the person themselves if they needed assistance. And I, you know, did get a, get no. And then I listened, you know, I ignored my inner voice and I deferred to an outside authority. And that is where I think a lot of the common ground between your approach with your abilities and my approach with my clients is there's quite a bit of overlap. Absolutely. There's, it's trusting your own inner compass, your own version of, is this right for me or not? Sometimes it's a gut reaction. Sometimes it's a voice. Sometimes it's just a feeling. It's your life you are going to have to live with the consequences of your actions. Therefore, you and you alone should have the ultimate authority of what you choose to do or what you choose not to do. Part of the beauty of that, I certainly didn't realize before I went on this great big hairy journey, was that you can actually, we all get to decide. We can design 
everything from what we say to what we do, to who we are in life, to our businesses around our, our internal wisdom. And yeah. And, and that's where say in, in, in my work with, which is primarily with entrepreneurs and business leaders, I love business. So I, I work with people with the, through the modality of business Whereas other people work through the body or Julie, you work through, I don't even want to say the mind. It's more than, it's like the greater mind, right? You get to say what is and isn't good and true for you. And then that can have a ripple effect to to every aspect of everything you do, right down to how you um, say, if you're an entrepreneur that's listening or somebody who's in business, write down to how you are out in the world and how you promote and sell your product or your service. And so that helps people to be more integrated because they're not showing up as one person at home and then another person at work and then another person somewhere else. Yes. And, yeah. So that's some of the, you know, some of the real juicy juicy stuff that sometimes gets lost in the glitz and the glam and and um the even sometimes the the ceremony and the ritual i think we get lost in performing the roles that we undertake so if you are a mother some people get lost in the role of mother and they they are no longer who they were before they had children but it's not that each role that we take on, whether it's mother or whether it's uh, CEO or it can be stockroom boy, it doesn't define who we are. And I think this is where humans, where we, we get lost a little, where the skill set that we have, it only is representative of how we can show up in life, where we fundamentally do not change. And I think people have forgotten that where just by being alive and being on this planet, they have value. Again, in my language, God, we are all God's children. God loves each and every one of us as a creation. And when we co-create, this is being intentional with your life and deciding how we want to show up in the world. When we co-create joyfully, then everybody benefits and we get to give other people permission to be themselves, to explore their own divine skill set. Julie, I could sit here and talk to you all day and I look forward to a time where we can do that together and we're not looking at each other, hearing each other online. Um, Before we wrap up here, I'm going to ask you two questions. What has been your biggest challenge? And and out of that challenge, what have been your biggest lessons? I would say my biggest challenge has been to be okay with other people's reactions to my choices. So I tend to be okay with my choices and my consequences. To have something like spiritual warrior be so public, it meant that 
people all across the planet felt that they had a right to judge our actions and to put judgment on who they thought we were and are instead of maybe my own perception of self. So to allow other people and their opinions not to be wrong, but for them to have a place to understand that it's more reflective of what my situation may bring up in them, their judgments about themselves and their own choices, less than it has to do with who I am and my own choices. So if I can remember that my final judgment is between me and God, and it's the same for everyone else, and if I can be more compassionate toward others and their opinions, then I might learn something. I might, um, I might change a, a person's perception of me because of, of my willingness to listen. I may create ripple effects that I'm unaware of just by willingness to have a conversation. So instead of being afraid to share my story and ashamed to have lived the life that I chose to live, what I have gained from this experience is that we all make choices again, and sometimes they don't work out the way that we planned. And we don't get anywhere in life if we're not willing to take these chances. And every single one of us who showed up at Spiritual Warrior did so with the intent of improving our lives, even though the results, I, I don't know if catastrophic is fair to say, uh, but it did result in people's deaths. So quite traumatic. And for those of us who are still alive, now what? Now what do we do? In order to move on with life, we've got to take the blessings. And the blessings come in knowing who I am a little bit more, in having friendships like the one with you. I, I feel so honored and so humbled to be asked as a guest on your podcast. And I'm so excited for you to see where this goes. And, and so, yeah, I, I would feel that that would be, again, the, the trauma and the gift on the other side of the trauma. Well, just before we go, Julie, if, um, cause I have one more thing for you, but, um, if people want to get in touch with you, what is the best way to do that? I am not very much of an online presence. So the best way to get a hold of me would be through Facebook. Okay. And I will, just for anyone who has the thought that they might like to connect with Julie, I will put her um, Facebook in the show notes. And as well as her journey uh, continues to unfold and uh, a website appears or this or that appears, I'll keep it updated. But before we go, Julie, talk to us a little bit about love. I love hearing you when you speak about love. Well, thank you. I feel like love is the connecting fiber, the connecting energy that, that runs through all of creation. And when we can 
connect to love of anything, that feeling that elevates us, that makes us feel not quite so alone in the world, feels that we are part of something greater. And to me, God is unconditional love. God is the best parent that we could ever have. The one that wants to provide us with every possible opportunity, with all the support that we could ask for and more, and for us to live the life of our dreams. And if we can love ourselves, even a fraction of how God loves us, we can claim that life. We can claim our ultimate amazing dream life. And my life looks different than your life. And it looks different than anybody else's life who's listening. If everyone actually reaches that ultimate version of loving themselves to that capacity, I get so excited because I think of, imagine how amazing the world would be with everybody's contribution, everybody being able to express their divine gifts. And it's when people have the courage to do that, that the world will change, that the world will become what we all hope that it can be. And this is the whole idealistic dreamer side of me, but it's, it's possible if we all love ourselves to that extent. So one, one brief conversation about love. And you know what? It all starts with love. The change. Uh, I think this is one of the things that was the biggest, one of the biggest awarenesses for me coming out of a protracted dark time is that things don't ever really change or really shift until you show yourself some love first. On that note, Julie Min, I want to thank you so much for being here today and sharing your story and your wisdom with us. It's been wonderful. And, uh, and for everyone who's been listening, I will include the links to contact Julie in the show notes. Have yourself a wonderful day and go out there and show the world some love. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I know you have a lot of choice where you receive your inspiration and information. If these ideas and stories resonate with you, I would be so grateful if you would take a few extra seconds for two quick things. One, if there's an idea or moment in the story or conversation that you feel would make a difference in someone else's life, take a quick moment to share on whatever app or website you're listening on. And two, subscribe so that you can become part of the ongoing conversation. Big conversations become the catalyst for meaningful change. I'm Laura Tucker, signing off for Free Your Inner Guru.